Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Classes of Mail. My name is Alan Gigax, and today we are going to read more from the JCAM. Today we're going to cover article. We're going to cover articles two, three, and four. They're all fairly short, so I figure I might as well knock them out all at once. My next episode is going to be articles five and six, and then seven is pretty long. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that one all at once. I guess we'll find out when we get there. A few notes on this reading. Uh, just like last time, the stuff that is actually quoting from the contract, I'm going to read in an accent so that you can differentiate it from my regular speaking. I'm going to stick with the accent I used last time, which is kind of a Southern gentleman accent, uh, which is not to say that it's any good, but it's the only one I can pull off with any consistency. I have some ideas for accents for upcoming episodes, and uh, they should be uh, a little more entertaining and a little lower quality, which is saying something given the quality of the current accent, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, the important thing is, again, I'm going to read Article 2, 3, and 4 as they are in the JCAM with the accent for the actual contractual language. Um, in case you're interested, I read this totally cold. Uh, do not edit, except maybe to pause when uh, my dog Annie gets a little out of control. So, any failings in reading are my own, and I will do my best to make things clear. <clears throat> All right, with that done, um, let's go ahead and get started. Article 2, Non-Discrimination and Civil Rights, 2.1. Section 1, Statement of Principle. The employer and the union agree that there shall be no discrimination by the employer or the union against employees because of race, color, creed, religion, national origin, sex, age, or marital status. In addition, consistent with the other provisions of this agreement, there shall be no unlawful discrimination against handicapped employees as prohibited by the Rehabilitation Act. 2.2. Section 2. Committees. There are established at the national and area levels joint committees on human rights. The committees will be composed of a representative of the union and responsible management officials. The committees may develop affirmative action proposals on all matters affecting minority groups. The committees will also be advised of the plan for site selection for facilities planned for national postal mail networks and major metropolitan areas and review ability and review availability of adequate housing and public transportation. The committee shall meet as required at mutually agreeable times. 2.3. Section 3. Grievances. Grievances arising under this article may be filed at formal step A of the grievance procedure within 14 days of when the employee or the union has first learned or may reasonably have been expected to have learned of the alleged discrimination unless filed directly at the national level, in which case the provisions of this agreement for initiating grievances at this level shall apply. The preceding article, Article 2, shall apply to city carrier assistant employees. Article 2 gives letter carriers the contractual right to object to and remedy alleged discrimination by filing a grievance. Grievances alleging discrimination may be filed directly at formal step A of the grievance procedure, 
However, if a grievance concerning discrimination is filed at informal step A instead, it is not procedurally defective for reason. Additionally, in accordance with federal law and regulations, letter carriers have legal recourse to remedy alleged workplace discrimination through the EEOC and the federal courts. Article 2 also gives letter carriers the contractual right to object to and remedy alleged violations of the Rehabilitation Act through the grievance procedure. Postal Service guidelines concerning reasonable accommodation are contained in Handbook EL307, Reasonable Accommodation on Interactive Process. The the Memorandum of Understanding reprinted below is incorporated into the National Agreement. It establishes specific obligations concerning the Postal Service's duty to reasonably accommodate deaf and hard-of-hearing employees and applicants under the Rehabilitation Act. All right, and here we have the memorandum, reasonable accommodation for the deaf and hard of hearing. And the first part, it says, management's responsibility. Management has an obligation to reasonably accommodate deaf and hard of hearing employees and applicants who request assistance in communicating with or understanding others in work-related situations, such as, A, during investigatory interviews which may lead to discipline, discussions with the supervisor on job performance or conduct, or presentation of a grievance. B. During some aspects of training, including formal classroom instruction. C. During portions of EAP programs and EEO counselings. D. In critical elements of the selection process, such as during testing and interviews. E. During employee orientation, safety talks, CFC and savings bond drive kickoff meetings. F during the filing or meetings concerning an employee's OWCP claim. Reasonable accommodation must be approached on a highly individualized case-by-case basis. The individual's input must be considered prior to making a decision regarding accommodation. Next section is implementation. This obligation is met by selecting an appropriate resource from the variety of resources available. In selecting a resource, the following, among others, should be considered as appropriate. The ability of the deaf or hard of hearing employee to understand various methods of communication and the ability of others to understand the deaf or hard of hearing employee. The importance of the situation as it relates to work requirements, job rights, and benefits. The availability and cost of the alternative resources under consideration. Whether the situation requires confidentiality. Available resources which should be considered include A. Installation heads are authorized to pay for certified interpreters. Every effort will be made to provide certified interpreters when deemed necessary by an application of the principles set forth herein. B. In some states, the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation provides interpreters at no charge. It's the DVR. When a decision is made that an interpreter is the appropriate accommodation and a DVR interpreter is not available, other methods of securing securing an interpreter should be used. Volunteer interpreters or individuals skilled in signing may be obtained from the workforce or from the community. The skill level of such persons should be considered. Uh, D. I don't know if I said that last one was C, but anyway, D. In some situations, written communications may be appropriate. The deaf or hard of hearing employee's ability to understand written communication should be considered. E. Supervisors, training specialists, EAP, and EEO counselors may be trained in sign language. F. Deaf or hard of hearing applica- 
deaf or hard of hearing applicants should normally be scheduled for a specific examination time when an interpreter will be available. G. State or federal relay services may provide a way for a deaf or hard of hearing employee to conduct postal business by telephone with other employees and customers. Management will provide the following assistance for deaf and or hard of hearing employees. A. All films or videotapes designed for the training or instruction of regular workforce employees developed on or after October 1, 1987 shall be opened or closed captioned. To the extent practicable, existing films or videotapes developed nationally that will continue to be used by deaf or hard of hearing employees with some frequency will be opened or closed captioned. B. Special telecommunication devices for the deaf will be installed in all postal installations employing deaf employees in the regular workforce. Special telecommunications devices or telephone volume control devices will be installed for hard of hearing employees whenever a hard of hearing employee requests and needs such a reasonable accommodation in order to communicate by phone. These devices will be available to deaf and or hard of hearing employees for official business and in the case of personal emergencies. As appropriate, management will provide training to staff on the use of these special telecommunications devices. C. A visual alarm will be installed on all moving powered industrial equipment in all postal installations employing deaf employees in the regular workforce or in any installation where such a reasonable accommodation is requested and necessary for a hard of hearing employee. D. Visual fire alarm will be installed in all new postal installations as of June 12, 1991, uh, where Postal Service installs audible fire alarms. The parties will discuss and seek to agree at the local level about the installation in such other facilities as may be appropriate. Next section is Joint Labor Management Meetings. Discussion of problem areas with regard to the use of certified sign interpreters, enhancement of job opportunities for the deaf and hard of hearing, type of special communications devices or volume control devices to be installed, installation of visual alarms or other systems such as tactile devices at other than new postal installations, and the availability of new technologies which may help deaf and hard of hearing employees perform a variety of tasks are appropriate matters for consideration at joint labor management meetings. Discussion of much matters at labor management meetings is not a prerequisite to the filing or processing of a grievance. Hey, that's the end of module or Article 2. So we move on to Article 3, Management Rights. Dude, they should just cut this one out, but that's all right. Management Rights. Okay, here we go. The employer shall have the exclusive right, subject to the provisions of this agreement and consistent with applicable laws and regulations, a. to direct employees of the employer in the performance of official duties, b. to hire, promote, transfer, assign, and retain employees in positions within the postal service, and to suspend, demote, discharge, or take other disciplinary action against such employees. C. To maintain the efficiency of the operations entrusted to it. D. To determine the methods, means, and personnel by which such operations are to be conducted. E. To prescribe a uniform dress to be worn by letter carriers and other designated employees. And F. To take whatever actions may be necessary to carry out its mission in emergency situations, 
i.e., an unforeseen circumstance or a combination of circumstances which calls for immediate action in a situation which is not expected to be of a recurrent nature. The preceding article, Article 3, shall apply to city carrier assistant employees. The Postal Service's exclusive rights under Article 3 are basically the same as its statutory rights under the Postal Reorganization Act, 39 U.S.C. Section 1001E. While postal management has the right to manage the Postal Service, it must act in accordance with applicable laws, regulations, contract provisions, arbitration awards, letters of agreement, and memoranda. Consequently, many of the management rights enumerated in Article 3 are limited by negotiated contract provisions. For example, the Postal Service's Article 3 right to suspend, demote, discharge, or take other disciplinary action against employees is subject to the provisions of Articles 15 and 16. Article 3F Emergencies. This provision gives management the right to take whatever actions may be necessary to carry out its mission in emergency situations. An emergency is defined as an unforeseen circumstance or a combination of circumstances which calls for immediate action in a situation which is not expected to be of a recurring nature. Emergencies. Local implementation under Article 30. Article 30.B.3 provides that a local memorandum of understanding may include, among other items, guidelines for the curtailment or termination of postal operations to conform to orders of local authorities or as local conditions warrant because of emergency conditions. And that is the end of Article 3. And there's a nice short one on management rights. It should be a little shorter, but we'll work on that. Next, Article 4 is Technological and Mechanization Changes, and this will be our last article of the day. 4.1. Both parties recognize the need for improvement of mail service. Section 1. Advance Notice. The union will be informed as far in advance of implementation as practicable of technological or mechanization changes which affect jobs including new or change jobs in the area of wages, hours, or working conditions. When major new mechanization or equipment is to be purchased and installed, the union at the national level will be informed as far in advance as practicable, but no less than 30 days in advance. The provisions of Articles 4.1 and 4.2 are administered and enforced by the parties at the national level. These provisions are not properly the subject of local grievances. However, local branches should immediately bring to their national business agents' attention any matters they believe are covered by these provisions. The union at the national level will be informed as far in advance as practicable, but no less than 90 days in advance when new major mechanization or equipment is to be purchased and installed which will affect jobs. 4.2. Section 2. Labor Management Committee. There shall be established at the national level a joint labor management technological or mechanization changes committee composed of an equal number of representatives of management and union. Notice to said committee shall satisfy the notice requirements of the preceding paragraph. Upon receiving notice, said committee shall attempt to resolve any questions as to the impact of the proposed change upon affected employees, and if such questions are not resolved within a reasonable time after such change or changes are operational, the unresolved questions may be submitted by the union to arbitration under the grievance arbitration procedure. Any arbitration arising under this article 
will be given priority in scheduling. There shall be at the national level a Joint Labor Management Technological and Mechanization Changes Committee composed of an equal number of union and management representatives. Any unresolved dispute resulting from proposed changes upon affected employees may be submitted by the union to arbitration. Any arbitration arising under Article 4 will be given priority in scheduling. 4.3. Section 3. New Jobs. Any new jobs created by technological or mechanization changes shall be offered to present employees capable of being trained to perform the new or changed job, and the employer will provide such training. During training, the official will uh, uh, during training the employee will maintain his or her rate. It is understood that the training herein referred to is on the job and not to exceed sixty days. Certain specialized technical jobs may require additional and off-site training. An employee whose job is eliminated, if any, and who cannot be placed in a job of equal grade shall receive rate protection until such time as that employee fails to bid or apply for a position in the employee's former wage level. The obligation here above, here and above set forth shall not be construed to, in any way, abridge the right of the employer to make such changes. Article 4.3 requires management to offer any new jobs created by technological or mechanization changes to present employees capable of being trained to perform the new or changed job. National Arbitrator Snow held in da 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 agreement or a arbitration decision that the Postal Service had an obligation to offer newly created remote video encoding jobs to current employees. On-the-job training for any new job created by technological or mechanization changes shall not exceed 60 days. During training, the employees will maintain their pay rate. Rate Protection Article 4.3 provides that if an employee's job is eliminated due to mechanization or technological change, and if the employee cannot be placed in a job of equal grade, the employee shall receive a rate protection until such time as he or she fails to bid or apply for a position in his or her former wage level. The saved grade provided for in this section is governed by the provisions of ELM section 421.53. See also Article 9.6, which contains a general provision requiring the Postal Service to continue all the salary rate retention provisions contained in ELM 421.5. Hey, that's it. All right, that is, sec that is Articles 2, 3, and 4. So we are done there. This one was under 20 minutes, not too shabby. So the next time we meet for JCAM reading, it will be Articles 5 and 6. And then we will keep moving on from there. I'll keep learning together. And, of course, the regular episodes uh, will continue to come out on a biweekly basis in our continuing effort to make you discipline-proof. So, thanks for hanging out. I will see you next time.